We're back. Welcome back. We're back. We're here. Uh, welcome back to Still Processing, where we, uh, during difficult, not difficult, but like seri- uh, a series that we go through as a church that feels like it needs a little bit more explanation, like we did with our Unseen Realm series. Uh, we will break in the middle of the week and just go, what are we still processing from that? Or what are we hearing from the congregation that they're still processing? By the way, we have hello at realitysf.com open to get your feedback. We're in a new series um, called Losing Self, Knowing Self, The Christian Journey of Identity. So it's an identity series. And um, we'll be in it through Lent. We did this on purpose, like doing this series during Lent because Lent, you're really supposed to focus on like uh, like denying, uh, crucifying the flesh uh, through fasting and through uh, giving alms. Um, and it'd be, I thought it was a perfect time to talk about identity on how we can lose ourselves the way Jesus tells us to lose ourselves and then to know ourselves in ways that are different. Like when you fast food, you start learning about yourself in different ways about why you get hungry, where you go to when you get hungry or hangry or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you, you actually learn yourself during during times of fasting. So we wanted to do a, do Lent series in identity. So here we are. <laughs> and uh, this Sunday was like an intro teaching on the difficulty and fragility of identity where uh, I basically like took the best of what I've read of like Charles Taylor stuff and a bunch of Keller stuff because he's a genius at this stuff. And um, uh, some stuff from uh, uh, Tara Isabella Burton on her like self-made book and the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Carl Truman, like all of that and try to synthesize it in like a really short teaching. Just like here's what you, here's identity, uh, the modern frameworks of identity and here's where we are all, why we're all anxious and worried and it's not really working. You know, the stories that we're given not really working. So that was Sunday. And uh, let's just, I just want to throw it out. What are, you, what are y'all still processing? I think one thing that I'm processing in hearing the sermon was, um, that I think there was a time before the pandemic and even like 2020, 2021-ish, like that phase, where I was praying that people would write books about what was going on with like an identity shift that I was perceiving just in the culture and the friends that I had and even family members. And I didn't have words for it. I'm not a scholar or like a forward, I'm not a a thought leader in these areas um, by vocation. And it seems like the books have come out, you know, like people, it seemed like a lot of really good authors had a couple years to sit inside their house and go, what book should I really, what's the most significant book I can write? And so even as you rattle off some of those authors, like um, those are all great books. And having read some, some books from each of those authors on identity, I feel like each of them have a different voice. And I read those books and go, oh, that's what I'm experiencing. That's what's going on with just the struggle of finding an identity, the experience of having a fragile identity, ha- uh, having someone come to you and say, I now have shifted a major part of my identity and w- would like you to be a part of it. Um, that's a very conscientious way of saying that. But some people saying, you know, I'm, I'm now sort of expecting all of the people on my social media feed to now <laughs> think of me in as this way and, you know, yeah. the fragility of that and the demands behind that. So there's just a lot of stuff going on. And I think a lot of people, including myself, are just sort of in like a reimagination of identity. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I feel like when you even started the sermon, Dave, about talking about your kind of study of from even when 
you like wrote your book about identity, which you were like, I don't know if I want to talk about this. I'm like, no, it's actually really great for you to show your process. It isn't even about the book that you wrote. It's the process of what you've come to some of the conclusions. And for all of us who, like Mike said, like we're not scholars, we're not going to spend time just like sifting over it. I feel like, oh, this is a great timeline to show that it's still uh, a thing worth discovering. And then the second that it's worth, it, it will be this fragile thing that also, like I experienced in the pandemic where I felt like most of my conversations were about people being like, well, now's as good a time as any for me to ask the hard questions about life. I'm just going to start asking all my questions about identity. Who am I? And if anything, the tone of it, which I couldn't articulate until recently, was like so anxious and complexity of anxiousness mm-hmm. of like, why is it so important that you, that I have to tell you that it's okay for you to go on this discovery of some sort? And in a way, I kind of wrestled with even now being like, are there even trains of thoughts about this that are, in a way, like, I almost felt shame if I wasn't on the the process with them. But I was like, I'm just trying to get through my day. <laughs> and so I'm a, I'm a little bit overwhelmed and also could tell, I was like, oh, if people aren't ready for that thing, they may not be ready or it's it's enticing at least for me to be like, actually, you we should want to be ready in a way of like there's an invitation here rather than like I'm going to demand that you're going to do it because I have nothing else to do. Like I'm going to back yeah. myself into it. I think of, there was right? an expectation that people yeah. go through identity crisis in their young adult years. Yeah. Now we're finding that that's extended into people's 30s yep. and then actually kind 40. of reemerges yep. in, like, through, in different seasons of life. For the rest of our lives, of honestly. Yeah. Different ones, Yeah. I think John Mayer coined the phrase quarter-life crisis, yes. and then you have yeah. mid-life crisis, yeah. and then three-quarter-life crisis. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of... Yeah. And some people are shameless about plugging their books on podcasts. Dave is shameful, as far as I can <laughs> yeah. tell, because he's, he he's very, very restrained like, <laughs> in, in mentioning the fact that you've written a book on identity. It's a very good book, yes. and uh, it was very timely in, in 2010 when you wrote it? 2014? 14, okay. 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh, 14. And uh, I just reread... Half of it just because yeah. um, I had a few extra hours, and it's great. It's a yeah. very creative read. It's a very enjoyable read for a book on identity. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's so it's worth worth grabbing on Amazon. The truest <laughs> thing about you, David L. Lomas. <laughs> He's like, we're gonna edit M. this out now. Bye. <laughs> I got the. I knew I got the middle initial <laughs> wrong. Um, yeah, I, and I don't know if like again, this is like um, we'll get into this later on, like ego, shadow side, yeah. all of that that stuff in our um mm-hmm. our makeup, our identity makeup. I don't know if even I remember when when the book came out, I didn't want to like promote it at the church. I didn't I just oh, felt like yeah. this like really weird. I didn't want to be the shameless plugger of my own yeah anyway, that project. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's pretty interesting. I, that also speaks to identity and some insecurity and all of mm-hmm. that, but also some self-awareness as well. So it's, it gets all wrapped up into that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the thing that, that I'm still processing is, um, uh, and I've been processing this for a while, uh, the cultural imaginary that mm-hmm. Charles Taylor talks about that is so helpful. Sometimes you need philosophers to name, put a name on something mm-hmm. for it to go like, oh, now we can we name it. We could define it, and we all can refer to that thing. Mm-hmm. And what he did with the cultural imaginary is that um, within the modern identity framework, we all have uh, in our culture an, an imagination of what is possible. What can you be, and does it align with the cultural imaginary? 
and 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 it's not even based on morality. Some people think it's based on morality. It's not really based on morality because you can get so one of them is like pedophilia. It's not in our cultural imaginary. Though mm-hmm. some people are trying, you know, from the fringes are trying to make mm-hmm. that like, no, this is this has been a part of cultures throughout time and history. Um, and then like, no, that's wrong because it's harming a child. And uh, by the way, it is h- abhorrent. It's horrible. But their argument is it's not harming a child. And then the counter argument is like, um, how is this harming a child if they if they uh, if they consent to it any more than telling your kid a bedtime? You know. Like, isn't that something that they don't want to do as well? Like, why don't you leave it up to the kid to let them decide what they... And we're seeing that kind of stuff emerge. Now, some people are hearing that like, that is an insane argument. You can't make that argument, but actually it is actually debated. Well, it's debated because people are saying, I want to fit this into that Overton window or or into the cultural imaginary. If if everyone had the same language on it, then people would be saying, I'd like to make three premises that would form an argument about why my... Thing. My belief yeah. should be should fit in here. Yeah, and then when people have two different cultural imaginaries, then you can't quite even imagine why someone would believe or act on a certain thing or identify in a certain way. It's because you sort of have a whole different frame of of your yeah. of your identity. You know what's possible in an identity. Yeah, so, totally. And uh, Truman in his book, um, uh, Rise and Triumph, the Rise and Triumph mm-hmm. of the Modern Self. I don't agree with all the book, but it was a very good historical book tr- tracing it. And he said one easy way is like if I told my neighbor. Um, uh, that I'm a um, a woman trapped in a man's body. In his cultural imaginary, there's a place for that, mm-hmm. where, but he hasn't done the, the 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 research on it. He hasn't done any of the psychological research on it, any sociological research on it, any of the physiological research on it. But he just it's in the cultural imaginary. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, that's and I want I want to honor that. I want that wasn't in our cultural imaginary t- 20 years ago, and all kinds of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and th- this obviously becomes um, a point of. Uh, of talking about uh, sexuality usually, mm-hmm. but you can do this with politics. Mm-hmm. You can do this with um, nationalism. Nationalism, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the ra- uh, like even uh, it's happening now with talking about um, uh, Hamas. Like yeah. in our cultural imaginary, that was something very, very evil. And now in our cultural imaginary, shifting to go like, what if they're freedom fighters? Like that's happening in our cultural imaginary right now. It's like it's uh-huh. shifting. Well, that's and, a great point. And even Terry Isabella Burton in the book, not self-made, but Rights. Strange Rights, yeah. she summarizes something that I had not heard anyone say before: that um, the belief, the cultural imaginary, and sort of what's allowable in your belief today has shifted. That one's morals are contingent on their culture. Yes. That what is right and wrong is actually just contingent on like are you a subjugated uh people group mm-hmm. and if that's the case then you actually have different morals than if you're if you have more power or mm-hmm. privilege mm-hmm. and that's unique that's a new cultural imaginary and somebody else would hear that and go no you can't like racist is racist murder is murder but if you believe that um that morals are different mm-hmm. so that's another sort of like i, I heard T- tara isabella burden just say that and i was like oh yeah that is kind of a thing mm-hmm. and i think what's helpful as you name that, you're realizing that a lot of these things are un- uprooted from um, uh, the Christian imagination, where we once had a, uh, a very biblical Christian imagination, and most of our human rights and most of the way that we that we want progress, all that comes from a Christian worldview. It's like v- um, very documented, whether it's like Tom Holland's book on on um, uh, Dominion and all sorts of other people. Uh, actually, just go listen to the podcast um, 
uh, Strange Belief? No, what's the one I've been talking about? I just forget the name of it. The Resurgence um, of Belief in God? Something? Yeah, yeah. The Surprising Rebirth of Belief in God. Yeah, it's a very good podcast. Mm-hmm. And the, it just traces how even um, now, like, the new atheist movement has has made room for Christianity as a worldview because they see that most of our rights are dependent on that Christian story where you can't get to those you can't get to human rights through any other like naturalist story um you can't get to it through the 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 like um the like tooth and claw story of our of our of humanity of evolution you can't get there but the christian story so all that to say what's happening in our cultural imaginary is it's becoming uprooted from that that bigger story and it's becoming its own story and then everyone has a story and then you're just now fighting for like your story to compete with other stories and then that story becomes not just um, a story but like then core to who you are and then you can't have discussions anymore you have to silence people who who don't believe that so you don't allow people on your uh, college campus that say anything that because they're attacking you as a person Mm -hmm. because this thing now that you believe is so deep in who you are so this is where mm, a lot of anyway so i'm still processing this this whole idea of the cultural imaginary and how it shifts and how it moves and then the importance of fitting our stories inside of the the bigger story rooting our stories into the into the story of god like the importance of that more than ever yeah, I think my question from the sermon was sort of what would I do if I heard that sermon, maybe went and did some reading, I had a a new attender come up to me after church on one of the last few Sundays mm-hmm. on this, um, you know, and, and they said, uh, what do I read to like get more of this? Like oh, it was just yeah. their first engagement, curious, just a first yeah. taste of like, I didn't know sermons were like thoughtful. So what do yeah. I do to like read more from thinking Christians? And uh, I guess I'm thinking about that same thing. My interaction with that person reminded me like, what do you do if if you did show up on Sunday and you're going, oh, I, I now maybe need to go back into identity crisis a little bit to like re-engage with what has made me me, realize how subjective some of my assumptions were and how given to me some of these assumptions were about myself from our culture or whatever. Like, what do I do if I find myself with a fragile identity? Like, what's the next step? You know what I mean? I think there's even that point in the sermon too where you're like, even if we are Christ followers, we all have these kind of identity crises. And maybe the word crisis is something we shouldn't be so scared about, but it helps us question or be curious about it. But it is because the Christ follower is becoming more like Jesus. And so there is changes that happen. It's discipleship. We want to become more like Jesus. But I think even of people, like I've had people come up to me that weren't even Christians that were like, this is so interesting. I feel like there was a point in there that you're like, you're going to have to, I mean, the title, you're going to have to know the self that you're losing. So part of that process, if we're avoidant, we never go through that. We just avoid it. We're like, actually, it doesn't feel good. It's painful. It makes me uncomfortable. Maybe it's going to press on the things. Like I, that point, Dave, that you brought up that like, this is why we can't have conversations or debates, or we don't know what it's like to have a healthy debate without getting our personal selves involved mm-hmm. and our ego in it, which is, I was trying to think of the last kind of argument debate I had that didn't press on my ego that I felt like I was like, how dare you say this about whatever, my faith or whatever. And I was like, oh, whoa, I need to be able to model that way differently based on my own thoughts of identity and complexity in there. Mm -hmm. But the fact that I was like, I don't think I can think of a one that was like done really well. And now I'm like longing for that to see how do you do that? 
like my question is like, how do you do that? How do you debate stuff that doesn't, you know, it might press on who you are, but also you're like that imaginary self. You're like, that's not really actually who I am. Like, yeah, I think yeah. there needs, I just emailed someone <laughs> from the church today about this. Like yeah. we want to host a space where we can talk about what's going on in Gaza, mm-hmm. where you can bring all of yourself yeah. to it and what you're carrying and not, um, and then somehow in the room, there's this uh, superseding identity that we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're one in Christ because of his, his body and blood broken, Eucharist in the middle, and that we have unity, even though yep. we might not agree, yep. even though we take some of this mm-hmm. so personally and people don't take it as personal, yeah. like how do we do that? And I think yep. there needs to be spaces for that. And the yep. church, um, we're still learning how to host these spaces. We've done a few different things, but but I think you're right. Like we tie our identity so deeply into the politics that we carry mm-hmm. or the beliefs that we carry that an attack on them is an attack on our identity and then it spins us out to go, am I who I think I even am? Yes. And how then do you start to differentiate that? I think the where we're going to go you know, in the series, the, I, and this is just a Tim Keller quote because mm-hmm. he's, again, a genius on this. He's like, the, the whole Christian journey is um, claiming your identity as being beloved of God in Christ and uh, redeemed in him, like found new in him. Mm-hmm. And then rearranging, reordering all the other parts of your identity around that mm-hmm. and what parts need to get changed because of that identity in Christ and what parts needs need to be um, uh, rejected, what parts need to be uh, actually probably more apprehended and more mm-hmm. pulled into who you are. And how do we do that with our politics and our family of origin and our, our ethnicity and racial background and we're always doing Mm -hmm. that and we're always negotiating that anyway but as christians you renegotiate that around uh, christ and then unity in christ's body like that's kind of what you're supposed to do and then how do you do that you know Mm -hmm. so it's always this rearrangement that Mm -hmm. happens one of my um i had a therapist that was very like gave you homework Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it was like a form for everything you know it was like oh there's a problem let me reach back and grab this form and fill this out you know (laughs) But one of the forms that was so helpful for me was the like cognitive behavioral therapy of like, yeah. like write down how you're feeling. Yeah. I think this is CBT. Yeah. Like um, write down how you're feeling. What's the truth behind how you're feeling? What are the falsehoods around what you're feeling? And then like, um, or like what's the truth, the mm-hmm. truth, you know? And then like, how do you feel now that you've sort of thought about what's actually true? Because mm-hmm. um, I was just getting like, spun into a lot of anxiety and I, mm-hmm. I, I was um, struggling to like name my emotions too, you know? And uh, I think that process might like apply and kind of map onto identity. I wonder if by, if by the end of the series, mm-hmm. I would be able to go, uh, how do I feel about myself? Like, what are the things that I'm like, that I'm mm-hmm. experiencing about myself? Sort of what are the truths there? Like, what are the things that are, that are, should be received and kept? And then what are the things that should be rejected? And then what are the things that I need to kind of redeem a little bit? Anyways, I'm just wondering if that process around like somebody really saying like, I'm going to write down six identity markers by the end of this series and see if they're like true and keep them. Yeah. It might might be a helpful thing, you know. I think that's so practical. I think, I mean, yes, it's cognitive behavioral therapy because that's the kind of therapy I did at the very beginning, Mm -hmm. but because of a logical person, kind of how I think in the logic. But I also think there is, I think you mentioned the word differentiation. I think that's that's kind of the practical thing of like how to learn and grow in that process, whether it's emotions, whether it's what do you mean? Thoughts, what do you mean by meaning, differentiation? Meaning, um, 
you are secure in your identity in Christ, but everything else around you might press on that, might be complex, might test it, but you know at the core of who you are. And that has to be grounded in something, which I think we're going to go through and process through that. But So like an enmeshed goal, person an is enmeshed like person, yeah. constantly letting somebody else yeah, tell them who they are. Yeah, or they're swayed. Like I feel like in this sermon, if I, it really pressed on some things that I was like, wait a minute, am I taking my identity, my background above my belovedness in Christ. I'm a Christ follower. So it's like, am I, what else is in the way of that? And if my kind of practical thing, it was help to gauge like, oh, am I something more before all these other labels I put on myself? Like, or does my ego get in the way or kinds of like that? So I think of like Jesus as the, he is like the perfect differentiated person. Yeah, that's right. He yeah, is. yeah. He's fully himself, yeah. even when he's rejected. Yes, and, he knows and who even he is. yeah, the process is to like be curious about all of that because we have experiences that make up you know who we are and all that stuff. So it's a great insight. Yeah, the um one of the things that uh the first time I taught on this series that really struck me was at the Last Supper when Jesus mm-hmm. was about to wash his disciples' feet. It says when Jesus knowing where he came from and where he was going, Hmm. got up from the table and washed the disciples' feet. And it's this idea of that differentiation. He knew who he was. He knew where he he was from, from heaven, from the Father. Mm -hmm. He knew where he was going. And it allowed him to then enter into his passion Mm -hmm. that started with feet washing and then Gethsemane, Mm -hmm. Gethsemane, and then the cross. Mm -hmm. Um, His identity allowed him to go through it, even though he was rejected and left Mm -hmm. by kind of almost everyone. And, um, you know, he was Jesus, mm-hmm. um, fully human, fully God, uh, and yet leaves us as a, as an example and as like a possibility with the power of the Spirit mm-hmm. to start to begin to do the same things. Like uh, knowing who we are, knowing where we're from, where we're going, being so secure mm-hmm. in that to be mm-hmm. able to then live into that no matter what kind of people say, mm-hmm. and then uh, able to uh, humble ourselves when we want to all the time kind of um, uh, bolster our mm-hmm. our resume or the fact that I'm in the room for this reason or mm-hmm. you're all, we're always doing that. We're always negotiating with people like, well, I'm not you. Um, I'm like you, but not like you. And I'm me. Yeah. And you're always doing that. You, Which can be to, so exhausting so sometimes. Exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> how do we let that yeah. go? You know? Um, mm-hmm. And then kind of know our identity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. John the Baptist's whole thing, uh, when they asked him, who who are you? And he just started with who he's not. Yeah. I think that's a really <laughs> important place as well because you sometimes it takes the stark contrast of who you're not to know who mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. So he, there's a lot of identity woven into the Gospels, like a yes. lot, like from John the Baptist to Jesus to, and then even a Jesus renaming Peter um, and him living into this new identity that he has. Um, there's a, there's a lot mm-hmm. and identity was tied to name. So yeah. a lot of times who you were from, your father, your mother, your family, what you did, um, or even the name, the reason why your parents named you a certain name, you would live into this identity almost prophetically. Yeah. So names were really important in them. Mm-hmm. Let's give out sort of, how do I know if I have a fragile identity? Like what are the markers of a person who's, mm-hmm. and again, I haven't done this, but I, uh, I wonder if if I did have to write down in priority yeah. order the seven markers of that are primarily the markers of my identity, mm-hmm. like if anyone who's listening would yeah. do that, mm-hmm. Christian or not. Um, I'm curious 
I'm curious what would come up, but I'm curious what would, what do I do if I sense that my identity is a bit fragile, or like how do I how do I know that? One of the things that comes to mind from Char, uh, from the count, um, from the uh, rise and triumph of the modern self mm. was just the observation. I remember gaining that from the first few chapters around the insistence that uh, one 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 of the ways you know you have a fragile identity is that once you come out of your journey of self discovery, you start making demands on a lot of other people, and you f- mm. you have this very mm-hmm. fragile self worth because you're going mm. anyone who doesn't recognize these new identity markers mm-hmm. is an enemy. Mm-hmm. They don't love me. Um, they're, they're problematic or whatever. The, mm-hmm. They're oppressors. Oppressors, yeah. yeah. All of that. Or not, or just unwilling to love me. You know, that's like the main way to love someone is to say, mm-hmm. I will accept you no, no matter what new thing you come up with. I don't know. So all that to say, like, that's one marker of a fragile identity is that like constant defensiveness. Like, you know, or like you find yourself kind of constantly at odds with the people who are mm-hmm. speaking some sense of truth. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to be enmeshed, but I also need a community. Mm-hmm. So if I'm per- if I'm totally differentiated from anyone else, then I'm just a very individualistic person. That's that's a very lonely lifestyle. So, yeah, you bring up a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 human need to be blessed is a need still, mm-hmm. and um, and we f- I think we mainly demand to be blessed. So one of, one of the markers of a fragile identity is that I think is coming emerging out from our own discovery and saying this is who I am and I demand that people recognize that mm-hmm. that I am this thing mm-hmm. um, that's one of them but also that is also which um, is a human instinct because we want to be blessed so when you say blessed do you mean like affirm that you're like I'm okay you're okay whatever you're thinking is mm-hmm. great this is like yeah, this is you are who you say you are kind of thing like, yeah yeah blessing yeah. is is um uh, the 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 acknowledgement and delight in someone for what they are or what they're doing, just mm-hmm. like blessing mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. and we all want that. That's the thing. Yes, and yeah. we need to hear that. And this is the the the, the um, Christian way in here. Mm-hmm. You, we need that from God. Like we need that from our Creator. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, back to Barbie. Um, <laughs> In the mm-hmm. I, so mm-hmm. I think the I think these writers though they might have been trying to do one thing, th- just uh, they commented on something way bigger. Than yeah, it was either it's it, inevitable intended to be an incredibly layered movie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah or they yeah, yeah, stumble. Yeah. You know, like we we've argued on, on whether yeah. it was intentional. It's or not. inevitable. Oh, yeah, I think I don't know if it was intentional. <laughs> I don't think any. I, that's the thing. I don't know if any of this was intentional. I think it was inevitable. I think yeah. you can't do a movie like this without doing these things. Mm-hmm. You can't do a movie about identity without s- your creator speaking over you yeah. who you are and why I created you. Yeah. So there's that moment where she meets her creator. Mm-hmm. She has to. Why? Yeah. It's inevitable. No. If you are if you n- are trying to find an identity, you will not find it from capitalism or consumerism. You won't find it by even your like family of origin, mm-hmm. right? You will only find it by your creator. Mm-hmm. So she has to meet her creator. It's inevitable. That's why I think the movie betrays itself. That's why I love the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like you're trying to do one thing. You're trying to do a social commentary. You're kind of trying to talk about sexism, but you betray yourself because you're really talking about identity and all the ways you're talking about identity flow right into the Christian story of like you can't you can't uproot you can't yourself avoid it because it's true it's mm-hmm. true you're circling yes. back 100 horseshoeing back around to it in yeah. your yeah, that's, that's my point yeah. it's not that they were trying to do this and and the writers are awesome and see what's 
I think it's inevitable. I, in the stories mm -hmm. that we tell, I love finding the like, you can't help but say that thing mm -hmm. because it's true. Mm -hmm. And you might not think it's true, but you can't tell a story without that truth. And I don't think you can tell an identity story without mm -hmm. meeting your creator and them telling you, this is why I made mm -hmm. you, which is why I love that scene. That didn't make mm -hmm. it in the sermon. It might make it in a future sermon. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I think we need to hear from God who we are and why we were created. Mm -hmm. And if we're we're supposed to self-make because um, that's what our culture tells us, mm -hmm. uh, it is it is too much of a burden and it, we're, we're crushed by anxiety mm -hmm. under it. Yeah. It leads us to all sorts of places that um, you're always having to remake yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, okay, so was mm -hmm. it Melissa in our sermon meeting last week? Um, mm -hmm. She said... Uh, she wanted to talk about J Lo and like how her oh, first yeah. album was Jenny, Jenny from, from the, the block. block, and then now it's this Look is who me now. yeah this, this is who, who I am. am yeah and there's like there's an evolution like before yeah. her first album's like no this is who I am yeah. and now it's like no 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 this is who I am yeah. um and we always have to be doing that uh, we have to hear from our creator this is who you are mm -hmm. and this is something true down to your core that won't change so uh, that's the the Christian answer is I think the answer that we all that's mm -hmm. inevitable. You will need a creator to speak over you. Why were you, Why was I made? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, I think the Christian story, being wrapped up in the Christian story, I think gives you um, a robust identity because it's not earned, you know? It's like, um, it's given. Yeah, There's some you strength have to, to receive, yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to receive it. And in mm -hmm. Self-Made, Tara Isabella Burton, you know, like, I've only read half the book, but I'm reading it now, actually. I'm, it's on loan from the San Francisco <laughs> Public Library. And... Uh, you know, it's you know, she's just describing like basically the social media age and something we experience here in SF, which is like that tech startup entrepreneur mm -hmm. identity, that gr rise and grind, um, self-created. I'm going to be the next next Elon. Just high achievers, yeah. Yeah, but but it's, it has that tone of like. I have recognized from the time I was applying for colleges mm -hmm. that my identity is Uber Mensch whatever female mentioned means man, I think, but you know, whatever, I don't, I don't know German, but you know, like that, that Uber tech person mm -hmm. and I'm going to muscle through society and, uh, and I'll outsmart, outwork, mm -hmm. you know, out savvy everyone. So we experience that a lot. You know, I think even just interacting with congregants, um, you know, those are just identity markers that you go, that's a very fragile identity though. It's not, you know, I, I'm now, you know, I'm not questioning my gender ideology. It's mm -hmm. just like the the tech mm -hmm. person around. Um, yeah, I don't know, being self made, the yeah. entrepreneurial identity, and and that's so fatiguing. Mm -hmm. And maybe that maybe you think that's going to be a good identity when you're in your 20s and you've, you're trying to come to San Francisco and make it, um, but it, it it'll kill you. Mm -hmm. You know, just mm -hmm. that kind of anxiety and that kind of pace will mm -hmm. kill you. I think one of the things I'd say to someone who is. Um, on this journey of identity is that it's all it will always be a journey. Mm -hmm. So if you are someone who's like, um, wow, I'm in my forties. I'm forty five. So I just speak I mean wow. I'm forty five. As in me. As in yeah. me. Like, <laughs> I'm forty five and I'm yeah. still discovering <laughs> yeah. like my identity. I'm like yeah. that is that is actually part of it yeah. as well. Mm. You're always um you will always be rediscovering who you are uh as as your life changes, mm. like mm -hmm. who I am as uh, a husband, who I am as a, a pastor trying to start a church, who I am as a pastor that has now uh, uh, a church that's kind of rooted in San Francisco mm. with a 
with a building. Like I have to rediscover, okay, who, what does that mean? Mm. How do I show up with that now that I'm now I'm a I'm a I'm a husband, a dad of two, almost three kids. That sh- that changes, and then now mm-hmm. I'm having to renegotiate that. So you, with all of the you will always be doing that. You will always be taking parts of yourself and who you are as it changes in. And then as it changes, um, you're you're having to realign where you get your worth, mm-hmm. where you get your value, and how do you know who you are? You're always having to do that. Mm-hmm. I think the Christian, like life in Christ allows you to go deeper and deeper mm-hmm. into what he's done for you, who he is, and what he's mm-hmm. making you into. So I think without Jesus we have this fragile identity that could get, it could crumble and then need to get rebuilt in any stage of life with any life decision. But the the permanence of like life in Christ, I think gives you a robust identity. And I think it allows you to change in life stages, go through different That's right. life mm-hmm. challenges and say, I, I know something about who I am. Mm-hmm. And then I can now take on these new challenges and rediscover something about myself mm-hmm. as I rediscover something new about God mm-hmm. and what he's turning me into. And I think that's what gives, like the promise of sanctification in Jesus is for those who are in Christ, like you have a future. There's a longitudinal identity here and, mm-hmm. and there's a trajectory to your identity formation that God is making you into something and he'll perfect it in the day of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, there's a promise to rest on as well, which is like, mm-hmm. I kind of have ups and downs in my, performance and my identity and my my emotions but there is like a thing that will get redeemed and will last for, forever and and I will keep that identity with Jesus forever you know mm-hmm. so I think there's I don't know it takes some of the weight off of the need to perform or be per- perfectly actualized perfectly differentiated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know because Jesus is like covering a lot of that well a lot more to talk about in the future yes, yes. Um, if you have questions send them in uh, hello at realitysf.com and uh, we'll keep this conversation going. It's one that is probably will be ongoing uh, as our modern identity structure has changed, probably f- until it changes <laughs> yes, again. Yes. You know, until until Gen Z does something different. Um, <laughs> but this is this is what it is. Uh, so yeah, uh, look forward to continue the series. We'll see you all soon. Thanks. Thanks.